Hi, I'm Heather Knight, and this is the Surviving to Thriving podcast. One in four women will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. We're going to discuss the taboo topic of domestic violence and the tools our thrivers have used to succeed in life. We want you to know that you are not alone in this fight. Please keep listening if you or anyone you know has been impacted by domestic violence. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Night Protection Services, for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Surviving to Thriving. Today we have Michael Barnes with us. A little bit about him. He started out as a genetic scientist and worked for the number two ranked children's hospital in the United States. He built two businesses He also now is starting a movement in Cincinnati called Cincinnati Hacking Homeless. It's an event that we're going to talk about and then the process that he wants to build it to and and make it a nationwide organization. He's got two kids, 17 and 20, so almost out of the house, almost an empty nester, as as we say. So, Michael, a little bit about you and how you got started. Well, thanks, Heather. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to get to speak to you this time. I spoke to Zach on my podcast last time, so uh, good to meet the other half. So, as you said, um, I have a degree in genetics. I worked at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. I worked at a genetic testing lab here in Cincinnati. Um, I've done business coaching and built that business for a while. Um, Built a company called Awakened Innovations to help nonprofits to do better. And now, as you mentioned, I am, I I have to be honest, I've got a a committee and one of the guys on there, Jack Joes, has a company called The Best Words. And I haven't gotten with him for the best words for how to describe what I'm doing. So I I like what you say, starting a movement. Um, the, the, The basic outline is um, I'm looking to host an event here in Cincinnati, June uh, 6th and 7th, Saturday and Sunday, called Cincinnati Hacking Homelessness. And this, as you said, I'm looking to take it bigger than that. So we can talk about more details about it. But just to, to give your listeners a little bit of the vision, once we do Cincinnati Hacking Homelessness, my goal is to spread that to 100 cities. So we would have Chicago hacking homelessness, LA hacking homelessness. Here in Ohio, we would have Cleveland, Columbus, and Dayton hacking homelessness. And then I want to turn it into city hacking issue. So what I would like, it, or what I'm doing, is building a structure where we can address any problem in the community using what we're calling the wisdom of the community. A lot of people have done stuff in the homelessness realm And just as you know, they've done it in domestic abuse and human trafficking and all these kinds of things. And one of the things I talked about when I was doing, when I was working with nonprofits was, you know, what's different about what you do? You know, why should there be a new organization? And so what's different about what we're doing is we're looking to, we're starting out with a weekend event, as I mentioned. Our goal is to get 100 people in the room for a weekend, come up with innovative solutions related to homelessness, and then implement those solutions. And so what we're looking for is 15 1% solutions. Um, I used to, and those 1% solutions could be a for-profit company, a nonprofit, a social venture, um, a marketing campaign, getting nonprofits to work better together. Any, Any sort of thing that would, um, 
impact on the homelessness journey. And the other thing that is very different about what we're doing is who we want in the room. So we're looking for 100 people. And the first four groups that we're looking for are people living on the edge, people living on the streets, people living on the edge, because as we know, they can fall back into homelessness, and their families. So these are groups that are often left out of the discussion. And so for what I'm doing, they're going to be center of the discussion. And not just that, um, we're looking to have nonprofits and government people, of course. But my background, as I said, is business, business coaching. I've done networking. And so I want um, the for-profits to be involved. So not just the nonprofits that everybody thinks of, but what are for-profit solutions that we can implement? And one of the reasons is if we just have nonprofits and we just spend all of our time asking other people for money, but if we can start for-profits or get the for-profit sector interested and involved, that raises things to a whole new level. A lot of what you said is you're trying to gather the, the wisdom of the community, and that's a lot of what we're doing with our pod or with our nonprofit is we can't reinvent the wheel, right? It's already been invented. It's already, there are already several nonprofits and for-profit businesses that support domestic violence or support homelessness. So what can we do to bring us all together and work together? Cause we all have the same end goal. We all the same clients. Right. And that was one thing that I really liked when I talked to Zach was he talked about not trying to be all things. And so I think that that is very wise on on your parts. Yours is part, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Down here in the South, it's y'alls. <laughs> on y'alls part. <laughs> to me, everything's a one-person solution, right? Because getting that message out to nonprofits in the homelessness arena could be a one-person solution. You know, don't try to do everything. Try to do your little thing but partner with others who, who do the other pieces. Right. Um, you know, I think it's awesome that you are focusing on people who are on the edge because that's a lot of what, I mean, we attack or we attack as in try to fix and help (laughs) the problem of people being on the streets, but we don't attack the problem of why they're on the streets, right? right? What led them to that path and how can we stop that? from happening versus just helping them get off the streets. Cause then we're not helping homelessness. We're not solving the issue of homelessness. We're just enabling and then allowing them to, or helping them get back on their feet. So I think it's awesome that you're going after the people that are on the edge. A lot of people don't really understand um, what homelessness means. And obviously, you know, I've been seeing more of it, but you know, if you think about it, it's not just, you know, you go spend a few months in your car, let's say, but you can't get showers, you don't have clean clothes. One one thing that a lot of people don't think about is you lose all your stuff, right? If you have a car and you're living in your car or you have a, a grocery cart, let's say, that is literally everything that you own. So even when you get back into housing, you, you don't have all that stuff that the rest of us take it uh, for granted. Right. You know, your couch, your pantry of food, uh, your pots and pans, your silverware, it's a huge drop off. And so if we can prevent people from going through that, I liken it to, 
I, I know that you all were, were police in the past, mm -hmm. but what, what I think we need is to prevent the crime from happening, figure out why, why people are committing crimes. Because once the police get involved, a crime has occurred and there is a victim, right? So great, you can come in, you can arrest the person, throw them in jail, you know, whatever. But the person that was shot, sorry, shot. And right. so, you know, what can you do before that so that it never happens? So just like with homelessness, you know, what can you do so that they don't enter that experience, let's call it, which, you know, has all sorts of devastating consequences for that person and long-term consequences as I, as I was just talking about. So yeah, one of our, one of my committee members, actually an organization here in Cincinnati and the Department of Housing and Urban Development from the federal government sends money to Cincinnati and he distributes it. So he supports 50 programs and I think 23 organizations. And he was saying he's not allowed to use that money for prevention. And, you know, there are two ways to look at it. My, my immediate reaction is, well, that's stupid. You know, you should be able to. And, but then I think about it further. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe HUD, their purpose is buildings, right? And houses. Okay, so maybe that's where they should focus. And if that's true, we need somebody focused on the front, front end. Right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, you can't, just like you can't get rid of the, the police and the jails, but you need people focusing on preventing crimes from happening in the first place. Right. right. <laughs> I like that you circle back to something that everybody kind of understands, which is policing and, and how the cycle works. But um, that's a lot of what Zach does with his business is preventative stuff preventing crime and we call it target hardening for mm -hmm. those of people listening that don't know what that is. It's basically making yourself not a victim or making yourself not available to crime. So, but you have to have, you know, a lot of people need help getting to that stage. And so it's the same with homelessness. You, you want to prevent yourself from being homeless, but you may not yeah. be on the path to do it yourself. And yeah. there needs to be something or someone that can help them change that course. Yeah, and, and that was one of the things that I liked when I talked to Zach. What you all are doing related to domestic violence, you all have the security background and company. And so I, you know, it's a great combination when people have been through abuse. I don't know what the numbers are, but there, there's a portion who need protection. Mm -hmm. And I'll bet there's even a greater proportion who need the feeling of, of safety. Yes. Right, I suspect everyone. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, whether it is giving them the sense of security or, you know, the many who also need security, you know, I think that that's a great add-on that you all give because they have gone through traumatic experiences. Their mindset, let's call it, has been battered. <laughs> they have need of that sort of thing. And so, you know, walking into a place and saying, hey, we used to be police and, you know, we've got a security company and hey, we can help keep you safe while you, we were talking and, you know, you're developing your program, but, you know, whatever this three to five year program is and you get it all, you know, everything that you need, yeah. um, the holistic solution, uh, I think is, is such a great thing. I appreciate 
you you saying that and um we actually were talking last night about trying to combat the actual problem and not just the symptoms of it and so after we get our you know our our headlining program up and our housing program up we really want to attack the the issue of the abuser and why are they an abuser and why do they do what they do because again if you're just treating the symptoms right and you're not fixing the problem it doesn't ever go away um and so that's um yeah and down the road <laughs> a, a a future goal of ours as well yeah that's exactly what i was talking about with the police right you know it is great to have a safe place for these people to go to and rebuild their life or whatever but that means they've already been through it and so you know your your all your vision to also look at you know finding ways to prevent it and and I also appreciate you not just speaking sort of what I would consider, you know, at least uh, police terms, which is at the earliest sign, let's go break down the door and put them in jail. That also isn't the solution. Right. right? Because even if you go at the earliest signs, then there's already more stuff ahead of time. Right. Exactly. Um, it's interesting. I, I also have interest in human trafficking and I didn't get into it or maybe not, maybe I haven't yet but I was talking to some people and the conversation came around and they were saying that having me involved would be good on the side of, you know, talking to the traffickers. Right. And, you know, I'm not going to get all the way into it, but love them, hate them, whatever they're people. And if you can find a way to figure out what happened that led them down this path, as you're saying, then again, right, we prevent it ahead of time. <laughs> right. And so, yeah. And so with homelessness, how do you prevent it? And, and and I think, as I mentioned with Zach, the foster care system, I read a report out of California one time that just blew my mind. And it said within two years, 50% of the kids who age out of foster care are dead on the street or in prison. 85% of people in prisons went through the foster care system. And you probably are aware that going through prison is very related to homelessness as well. <laughs> yeah. So, Definitely. You, I mean, you lose all your stuff and you don't have access to anything once you're back out of prison. And yeah. Right. Here's, here's 12 bucks. Have fun, right? <laughs> yeah. So when I talk about homelessness, it, it becomes intertwined with so many things. So I'm really excited for this weekend because again, the goal is to get the community involved and ask them what they would like to do, what they would, which piece they want to address. Where do they think that they have the skills and the passion to get involved? And again, you know, it could be a for-profit company. I love that idea. It could be a social venture, which is a for-profit company with a social purpose or a nonprofit. So a lot of, is it okay if I mention a little bit about uh, social ventures? Yeah. So a lot of people have not heard of social ventures, social entrepreneurship, that kind of stuff. Or when they hear about it, I don't know, they have all sorts of different ideas. So I'm actually a mentor at an accelerator here in Cincinnati called Flywheel. And right now I'm mentoring a social venture startup that is doing 
indoor and urban farming. And so, you know, the social purpose is it helps address food deserts, places in cities or poor areas usually where, you know, Kroger, rightfully or wrongly, they've decided, you know, having a store here is not good for us. And so they pull out. And so the people in those areas really can only buy from the corner store or, you know, the 7-Eleven. And so growing fresh food in the neighborhood will help get fresh food into the area. It also provides employment. It provides skills training and it provides a, a sense of community. It does a lot of things beyond just giving out whatever food they're growing, you know, say they grow corn. It's more than just growing corn. Um, it really is all about the community. And so honestly, that's one of the, I have so many ideas that could be one for <laughs> solutions. My problem is going to be not uh, <laughs> telling everybody what, what I think, but I think urban farming is a great piece, right? Because farming is not the way that it's being done in these is not high tech. And so a homeless person could do it. Somebody, granted, some, some people going through homelessness have high skills. Many of them don't. And many who had high skills for various reasons are not operating at that level anymore. So they could work there. They could, one of the big problems that leads to homelessness is lack of skills. And so if they get a marketable skill, and in this case, they're doing urban farming, they're doing organic farming, uh, they're going to do certification in organic farming, the sorts of things that people might be able to use to get a job, it will help them get out of their current situation and stay out. And in fact, you know, depending on how it's targeted, it may help people to, uh, before they go into homelessness as well. So social ventures are such an awesome, awesome idea in my opinion. Definitely. I think that they're, they're much needed in every community. Um, Surviving and Thriving started as a for-purpose venture or social venture. Mm -hmm. And then um, when we looked at the vast amount of things that we wanted to do, we realized that going the nonprofit route was probably easier and better for us in a financial situation um, because mm -hmm. we weren't, we were not trying to, focus on one thing we're focusing on a lot of things and there therefore it became a nonprofit versus just a, a for purpose or social venture so i definitely right. think that they're 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 needed and that it attacks one solution at a time like you said it's the one percent over and over and over again and eventually you get to a hundred percent and i used to say that we won five for profits five nonprofits, five social ventures that was the outcome and then people would argue with me and I got tired of the arguments. Oh, you know, we have too many nonprofits or, you know, it's only government and nonprofit that does this. And then there are also a lot of ideas that don't require starting something. As I said, a marketing campaign to tell the community, homelessness exists, people going through this, it's just part of life. You know, they're going through a phase of life to tell people who are living on the streets, let's call it, where they can go to get help because as much as some people think everyone knows where to go, many of them don't. <laughs> right. And then honestly, a marketing campaign to tell the nonprofits that they all exist 
because so many nonprofits are doing the same thing and don't even know that each other exist. It just amazes me all the time. Yeah, so, and, and that's a, exactly what we're dealing with. And and it's kind of funny. We're all our our mission is oh, we're bringing all these nonprofits together. And through this journey, I'm like, you're there's a nonprofit that does this. Like this this organization exists. There's so many so many nonprofits just in Atlanta alone that uh, I'm like my mind just races all the time of, of, yeah. of all these people that I've met. So it, exactly. A lot of people just don't know that they're around um, and they don't know that they exist. Yeah. Yeah. There are 20,000 nonprofits in the Cincinnati area and 1.5 million nonprofits in, in the U S wow. it's just shocking. Um, <clears throat> when I hear that. Yeah. And, and so many of them bounce along without enough resources because they don't partner up. I think once you get started, it's hard to partner up. You know, when you're getting started, you might be willing to look at joining somebody else. But once you've got your thing going, at least for the first three years, <laughs> and about three years, a lot of people throw up their hands and say, ah, I'm done with this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Definitely. But, and it, yeah, it's that, and that's what we've, been trying to do is just bring everybody together because like you said everybody's bouncing along with not enough funds well if we all brought everything that we're doing together chances are there's grants out there that we can't get because we don't do this specific thing but oh we collaborate with this nonprofit so they can you know we can introduce them yeah. to that grant and since they sponsor us and we sponsor them then all the money is getting shared and everybody has the money and resources to do everything that they want to do. It's, it's a lot easier said than done, of course. <laughs> well, absolutely. But I'll tell you that I've spoken with people in granting agencies, uh, foundations, and they agree. Um, when I was first talking to somebody about trafficking, she said, you know, there are all these small trafficking organizations in Cincinnati. We're never going to fund any of them. I said, but, you know, what if we got 10 of them together to propose a single grant? She's like, we would look at that because from their side, you know, they can't, they can't judge that many organizations and they're not, the ones that I'm talking about are not looking to make, you know, 2000 or $5,000 grants. You know, they want to do large enough so that honestly, so that the bookkeeping becomes financially viable. I'm still confused how, handing out these tiny grants makes any sense to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> the people who hand them out, their bookkeeping probably costs that much. They've got so many people applying. Um, and then the compliance piece for a small grant. Yeah. It, it becomes a deficit. It's like the albatross around your neck. So <laughs> we're at a stage where we'll accept any donations and any money, but I, from the grant side, the grantor side of it, 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 it doesn't make sense because you're giving out a hundred five thousand dollar grants when you could just you know and maybe they're just trying to spread the wealth but and like right. you said on the back end it it may not be yeah worth it. and you know from from maybe a business side so i, I mentioned a guy who who helps with the the hud money that comes to cincinnati mm -hmm. um when i first talked to him 
he was he was interested and excited and he said you know we've got to give some background on what already exists because if one more person proposes another app for this <laughs> which made me think i don't know how many apps i don't know exactly what he's talking about but let's just say that there are 20 apps out there right it's taken time and effort to build them to uh, distribute them trying to get whoever you need to connect to to agree to it what if one of our one percent solutions is to decide on the best two or three and then if we can convince the other people to add their effort and funding sources whatever that is to those top apps then you know the apps also often want to connect to the the places that have beds but they don't have time to tell 20 people if they have a bed or not but maybe they'd tell one person right and so you know having a smaller number with higher um support could be significantly better the the other side of that and i say this i think nonprofits should merge um we don't need new nonprofits, but just like with this, this app idea, the people with the winning apps need to find a way to bring in the other people at a meaningful level, right? Because yep. what so often happens is, oh, these are the three best. So you all just give those people your money or something. Right. And they're not going to do it. So, you know, if we want to go from 20 to the top three, how do how do we make it so that those three can provide you know whatever that person's soul is seeking right <laughs> right exactly and and that way it it kind of fills most people are are starting nonprofits because they see a need in the community that's not being met that they think that they can meet but if you look outside of of that circle you will see that everybody can come together and fix that problem that you feel is not happening. But if you just kind of get booted out after it was your kind of, right. you see the, the, then you're not going to want to participate. You're not going to want to send your money, give funding and you know, all the people, all the connections that you've made through building your nonprofit, then you're not going to want to share that with anybody else. So I definitely think that you'll have to, everybody's going to have to be involved in making one thing the best yeah and and the reality is that that there are a lot of ideas that haven't been tried and so people will say okay nobody's done it my way right and so they go out and do what they think is new and unique and then the other nonprofits say hey we don't need another one why don't you I, okay i asked this in an active facebook group i said you know you don't want new nonprofits. So what are you doing to give somebody who wants to be an executive director, who wants to start an organization, a meaningful place in your organization? And pretty much the only answers that I got were they should come volunteer for us for a while, and then they might be able to get on the board. I'm like, that. that's not what these people want. <laughs> right, exactly. So they're going to continue starting their nonprofits. If you could find, I don't know the answer, but I'm, I'm big into innovation. So my question is, how do we make it happen? How do we make it so that people 
don't necessarily start a new nonprofit, but go and add their energy and passion to maybe an existing one. There's so many good ways that that could happen and it would benefit, benefit so many. Um, I, I've got a partner from Awaken Innovation. She's working with me on uh, Cincinnati Hacking Homelessness. And she likes to say, so one of the worst things you can say to nonprofit people is, you know, how does this help your mission? Or how does this help your population, whatever? Because so often they start thinking about themselves. You know, it's normal, right? You know, you're worried about keeping the lights on, keeping people employed, whatever it is that's what you start worrying about even more than helping the homeless. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a real challenge. Um, and this is why I think we need innovative thinking. This is why we need innovative solutions. I a hundred percent agree. And I think that it's awesome that you're, you're bringing this um, event to Cincinnati and that you're like you said, you're, you're gathering the wisdom of the community to find out simple solutions to fixing homelessness. It's, it's something that we're not doing enough of. Right. And it's something that every, you know, it doesn't have to be just for homelessness. It could be for every issue that we're facing yep. in society. Yes, absolutely. And, and that's our third level. So second level is due to hundred cities. Third level is due other issues. So, you know, I say Cincinnati hacking heroin, Cincinnati hacking human trafficking, Cincinnati uh, hacking underemployment, um, you know, whatever you want, um, domestic abuse, whatever. Right. And so it's really about finding a way to come, come up with innovative ideas and include everyone in the discussion. I also intend to have entrepreneurs venture capitalists, queen, uh, angel investors, bankers there, foundations. And part of, part of the weekend, absolutely, uh, the people with lived experience have input, but they may not actually know how to create a workable solution. And so having people around who can help with that is also necessary, right? Because I've been in the startup community. I talk with angel investors and uh, you know, in all aspects of what, what we do, there are people who think they've got these great ideas and people who, who've seen it look at it and say, eh, maybe not. <laughs> and so, but that's, that for this weekend, that's not the end of the discussion. For this weekend, it's okay, that doesn't work. What could we do to make it work? Or how could we achieve that solution by a, a different means? And that's really um, the key to innovation is not stopping at the, the top level. And so one, one of our rules is you can't say no. All right. And so one, one story, I, I don't know if it's real or not, but it, I think it's an awesome story. So I keep telling it um, at some point, the power companies were uh, having trouble with ice on the lines, right? You know, ice builds up and breaks the lines. They've got to go out and repair them. So they actually had these guys who ran around in the woods and would have these big sticks, climb up ladders and, and knock the ice off. Okay. Kind of sucked being that person. Um, 
you know, it, it's cold, it's dangerous, and they've got these bears chasing them around the woods, right? And so, you know, the, the company gets everybody together and says, well, what can we do? And then at, at some point, um, somebody makes kind of a joke out of it and says, hey, why don't we get the bears to do it? You know, they're already out there. Let's do that. Well, you know, immediately that, that's a dumb idea. But okay, let's play with that. So how do we get them to go up there? Well, we put some honey up top. Well, okay. Then we actually have to send somebody out with honey pots to run away from the bears while they're putting it up at the top. That, that's not going to work. <laughs> and so, you know, there, there's somebody sitting in there who says, you know, I'm, I'm a helicopter pilot. And she says, you know, I, I ferried the, the higher ups of the company around and maybe I could drop honey on the tops of these things. And, you know, they're, they're talking about, well, you know, the downwash will blow it away. Okay. And then somebody puts it all together and says, you know, what if we just flew the helicopters close to the lines, the downwash would shake the lines and knock the ice off. And so that became their solution. So, you know, it's not the first idea that's going to be the right one. Right. But if you're willing to keep looking, you can come up with such gold. I a hundred percent agree. And I think it's awesome that you were bringing in um, for-profit companies as well, because everybody knows that once you get big enough, you have to make a, a sizable donation to a nonprofit. And I think it's going to be, they're, they're going to be more willing to give a lot more money to something that they're invested in, that they've worked for, that they're, they know that this is going to work because there's a hundred other people that are going for the same mission. And it's a lot easier to get corporate funds than it is to get government funds. And so it, it, I think it's going to be a, an awesome mission all the way around. I agree. Um, I, I've got my committee, a uh, variety of people from, from all across the spectrum. We decided on our date and location last week. So we are getting started in actually making this happen. So as I said, June 6th and 7th here in Cincinnati at Xavier University. And we're looking to get the word out now. So I really appreciate you having me on to talk about it. Definitely. I, I appreciate you coming on. And um, I just kind of want to circle back really quick to the beginning of how did this even, how did you get into homelessness? I know that we, we kind of <laughs> skipped over that, but yeah, you, you know, you said that you were a scientist and um, that you worked in the children's hospital and um, you've got your two you built two businesses, you've got Awakening Innovations, you've got the podcast that is attached to the innovations company. Where did homelessness fall into this? <laughs> That's a great question, Heather. And as with everything else, I don't have a great answer. So the reality is about a year ago, I ran to this guy on LinkedIn who was looking to do something like this. And I was really excited. It was, you know, it was the right time, whatever he wanted to start by doing a hackathon in a hundred cities. That's where he was starting. And so, you know, I got, got involved talking and it became clear to me at some point that a lot of people had the idea of getting together, getting a group of people excited, trying to think of a, a, a positive adjective, but get them excited 
and you know grab their pitchforks run down to city hall and demand more money and i decided that that was not my interest and so um i broke off from them and started looking at what i could do and interestingly three years ago maybe um someone had brought up the idea of a hackathon for human trafficking to me and i had come up with an entire plan on how to do it um i just never implemented and so this time for whatever reason, the stars aligned and it was the right time to, to implement. I started talking to people, people were interested. I've got five active members on my committee. Um, I've got a couple of consulting partners separate from that. And we're looking to how we can turn this into a sustainable business model and uh, how we can scale it. So the, for whatever reason, this time, um, people have shown interest. And so, you know, hopefully this doesn't turn anybody off, but homelessness per se is not my main interest. I have a significant interest in, I don't know exactly how to say it, making the world better, yeah. you know, improving the human experience, whatever. Um, I'm really interested in this in terms of how can we create a method to find good solutions, innovative solutions, get the entire community involved. That's where my real passion is. And how can we spread that to other cities and to other topics? And so I think that I'm an innovative thinker. I have so many ideas. And so I'm really excited um, to be able to, to actually pull this one off. Yeah, and, and, and like you said, build the blueprint for every other social justice topic out there that you know that everybody can use and everybody can bring to their cities and collaborate and you know we've we've got um collaborative nonprofits in our cities and mm -hmm. cities around the, the um the states but all it really does is you know here's a uh, uh a class and everybody right. from every nonprofit can come to it. I love our collaborative and I love because I've been introduced to so many other nonprofits and what they're doing is they are, they are collaborating with everybody, but to do it on another level and to bring in, let's actually work together and share money together and, and fix right. the problems that we all want to fix. So I think it's, it's great. I don't think it's going to turn anybody off to say that, this specific topic is not your 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 bread and butter what your bread and butter is is creating that blueprint that everybody can benefit from right and you know certainly certainly i do care about homelessness right and i care about heroin and i care about human trafficking <laughs> right? right right yes <laughs> and and maybe this feeds my soul because it doesn't require me to niche down too much too fast, right? My niche is innovative thinking and innovative solutions as opposed to niching down to one particular topic. Right, so. exactly. <laughs> it's the, the bleeding heart syndrome is how do you fix all the world's problems? Well, you start with the, you know, what is the main core of all the problems? Yeah, and, and what I want to do- Not working together. <laughs> I want to empower other people to solve the problems. So I was talking to this other guy 
Um, he actually has a macro level idea along these lines. Um, uh, and, and his solution he calls the swarm. Okay. And I love it. And, you know, I wish that I could claim to have thought of it. Maybe I'll do a variation and call it a 1% solution. So <laughs> he's creating the swarm. It'll be an online platform and he wants to get a billion people registered and he, he wants them to pay $1 a month. Yep. All right. And so by doing that, he can, the swarm will decide on a problem each month and a solution each month. And then they'll have a billion dollars to put towards that solution. So, you know, it's, it's thinking small to think big. Yeah. Right. And so I'm doing a hundred people intensive. He's doing a billion people, probably not very intensive. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we'll each have our own impacts. You know, someone else talked to me about, um, I think he called it Project 100. Get 100 people of, of reasonable means, me, yeah, means together in a city. And they promise to donate $100 a month to a, a kitty. And then they have $10,000 a month to do something. So that is a, another uh, version of this. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many ways to, to do this kind of stuff. And a lot of people, not everyone, but a large portion of people can afford $100 a month. Or if you can't, then get 1,000 people and do $10 a month. Right. Right? I mean, it, this is where my thinking is often different. Because when I say that to people, a lot of times they're like, oh, well, that's too much. I can't afford $100. That's, that's only for those rich people doing that. I'm like, okay, if you want to do something, find a way. Right. Don't go out to eat <laughs> you know, twice, well, twice a month. If you don't go out to eat, there's your 100 bucks. <laughs> right. Or as I was saying, you know what? Fine. Then do 50 bucks. Do 25 bucks. Do $10. And you know, maybe you need more people or... You just have a smaller kitty, 100 people doing 10 bucks a month. You've got $1,000 a month. That yeah. matters. And if it's not a grant application, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> it's just an unrestricted donation, then you can make serious impact. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's hilarious. Well, yeah. I, I think that, I think what you're doing is uh, awesome. And I can't wait till you have the, the blueprint completed for all um yeah problems because i think we're definitely going to use it and and, and uh excellent get some collaboration going because that's exactly what we're trying to do is we don't want to reinvent the wheel it, it, there are plenty of emergency shelters out there for women of domestic violence or there's all these clothing drives and food drives and all you know there, there's nothing that we can do to add other than bring everybody together and, and get everybody to get on the same page and, and actually make an impact and actually make a difference. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, we've got three questions that we ask every guest that come on. All here. Right. Um, the first one is what would the new you say to the old you? <laughs> That's a great question. Talk to more people to get your ideas out. 
I've had a lot of great ideas over the years, maybe told one person if that, and oddly enough, they never took flight. So all my awesome ideas, I'm starting to tell people. <laughs> awesome. I like it. Um, the next one is, um, what is um, something that got you through a hard time? Um, or what do you do to get yourself through a tough time or tough situation? So there are a lot of things. Um, but one thing that has really worked for me, uh, one of my mentors, um, he calls himself, I call him the I am man. So um, I am statements. So sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. You've got to be at the right place. But for me now, whenever I start having my negative spiral, I can almost always get out of it using my I am statements. I love it. We've got affirmations that we say daily. Um, so there's same yeah. thing for sure. Yep. That's awesome. All right. And the last one is what is a book, podcast, ebook, quote, or anything that you can recommend to our listeners that you like and helps you? That, that's a great question. Um, and I wish that I could remember the whole thing. Um, there's a quote from the Microsoft commercial. Um, here's to the, the rule breakers. Um, uh, I never remember it all, but every once in a while I look it up. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Um, here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs and the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them about the only thing that you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may seem as the crazy ones, we see genius because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. That is awesome. That is the one. And unfortunately, my memory is not what it used to be. I would never be able to rem remember that. It's an entire paragraph. <laughs> it's okay that you did not remember it. I would not be able to either. I had to Google it. So, um, but I, I absolutely love that quote. And that really um, it explains my view of life. Definitely. So. I, I love it. I'm, I'm glad you made me look it up because it's, it's good. And I, I don't think you, <laughs> I would never be able to remember it. So I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't expect, expect yes. anybody and, to be able to remember that. But um, if, your viewer, and, if your viewers or listeners want to, you can find it on YouTube. And when you listen to it, a lot of times it's even better. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I just want to, is there anything that we didn't cover that I didn't ask you that you want to mention? No, that, that was great. I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk about this. And, you know, if anybody is interested, love to connect with them, to talk with them, like I've talked with you. Um, if anybody is interested in participating in some manner, I'd love to have them do that too. Awesome. What is, um, what are some ways that people can connect with you or reach out to you? Yeah. So you can connect me directly at mbarnes4321 at gmail.com or go to our website, which is oddly enough, CincinnatiHackingHomelessness.com and learn more. There's also a contact us page on there. Thank you, Michael, so much for coming on and speaking about, um, 
everything that you're working on. I think it's going to be amazing when it happens. I hope that you get your 100 people because I think that it all starts somewhere and it all starts with a solution. And I think that that's what we're going to get. Yes, absolutely, Heather. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been great talking to you and getting to know you this time. And I love what you all are doing down there too. If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2thrivingatl, T-O, thriving, A-T-L, or online at 2thriving.org.